Welcome to Pouring Over Pages, a podcast of words and wine. I'm Alexa. And I'm Maritza. Let's get lit on literature. Yes, we're so excited today. We're popping off the page today with one of those interviews. And we have two very special guests from our trip in the Finger Lakes. As you guys know, we, we are up in upstate New York in the Finger Lakes, whining and dining, having a great time doing all the nature shit, which we don't get to do in the city. And we are here today joined by Maya Johnson-Dunn from New York Kitchen and Adrian Prieto from Hosmer Winery. Thanks. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, of course. Happy to be here. Oh. Sure. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, we, we met you guys. We, we enjoyed some great wine at a New York Kitchen, a garden party event. And I'm so glad that we're connected today. If you uh, maybe start with Maya, give us like kind of a quick quick journey into into you into what makes you tick you and wine me and wine my uh my love for wine is all wrapped up from my love for my husband so it's very messy and and there's no separation between work and play which is actually really fun i was introduced to finger lakes wine um when my husband and i started dating long distance actually we met at a wedding in cabo mexico and i lived in boston he lived in rochester and when i came up to visit him for the first time he took me to cuca lake in the middle of the night the next morning i woke up opened the blinds it was peak foliage on the lake and it was clearly a trap because I live here now. <laughs> it was clearly a trap, um, but I love him for it. And uh, then I was working in corporate events at the time, really having little to do with wine besides drinking it. For some reason, people always handed me the menu when we went out to dinner. And then in 2020, the pandemic happened. I had started a little Instagram account called Chasing Greatness at the time where I was writing about everything I was learning as I was tasting through the Finger Lakes. And I decided to actually shut it down on it was June 2nd, which was Blackout Tuesday after uh, George Floyd was murdered. And I shut it down just because I was not really loving how I was feeling as somebody trying to explore the swine industry and not necessarily getting the same attention that somebody who maybe had lighter skin looked um, mm -hmm. I would walk into a, a tasting room. So I wrote about it. It went a little bit viral and I hosted two pairing dinners in Rochester and then started working in wine um, for real after the pandemic. So I'm thankful for this transition. I really do love spreading the word of New York wine. Um, I like to write heart forward stories about New York wine and I'm thankful to be able to do that. <laughs> Amazing. And what a and what a journey in such a pivotal time in 2020. I feel like all of us were really finding ourselves and the things that matter to us and aligning ourselves, you know, with our values and, and what serves us and what doesn't serve us. So that's that's amazing that you were able to to take your voice and use it in that way because like we all know, the the wine industry is very old, pale, stale male. And, and you know, I'm happy to be chatting with you guys who are, are changing that and making the wine industry like a more inclusive place. Adrian, how about you? We've known each other actually on Instagram for a very long time. I know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many years it's been. been At long. least five years, if not more. Yeah, for sure. What about me? So I've lived up here, up here is in the Finger Lakes area, 20 years now. So I went to Cornell and then basically pretty much I went away for just a little bit. And I think that was a large part of just why I got into wine or how just by virtue of being here. And, you know, my wife and I, when we were younger, we, I mean, it's, it's harder now with kids, but at the time we would just be like, well, let's go like wine tasting. Like, just, just, just go and see what happens. Explore. Uh, <laughs> we had terrible taste back then. You may know what the hell we were drinking. We all did. Um, <laughs> Nobody knew what they were doing. 
And, you know, over the years, you know, I, I, I have been working at Cornell University, um, had worked at different nonprofits. And one of my hats at Cornell was chairing the diversity council in one of the, the departments at Cornell, essentially. And that essentially led to a separate job at Syracuse University that was specifically focused on Black, African-American, and Latino, Latino students, um, and the alumni as well. So, and and that was, you know, right in beginning of Trump administration and, you know, into 2020, into the pandemic and everything. So that really was, you know, uh, an up close and personal, um, very personal, you know, perspective into a lot of the, you know, issues that were going on in the country, not just George Floyd, really everything. But at the same time, I had also been writing about wine as a second job, freelance, some paid, some unpaid, going back, let's see, five and a half or six years from now uh, for different sites. I'm on staff at a couple of sites. I also do wine reviews, et cetera. And then a couple of years ago, I also full-time moved into wine. So um, there's you know, I've, I've, I've had a lot of different hats over the years and a lot of different spaces. And fortunately, they all have kind of helped in some way in, in the wine world, too. So it's um, it's it's a good place to be, but it's also kind of a unique perspective to have had a bunch of different, you know, hands in different areas, if you will, to, to see everything up close and personal. So I love how both of you just kind of naturally migrated to the Finger Lakes area for your love of wine and foliage. <laughs> it was such a magical place. So I do not blame you. Tell me a little bit about the evolution you've seen in the Finger Lakes, like, you know, industry wise. I mean, both of you started there like a while ago now. And from then to now, I'm sure there's been changes in, in just like the makeup of the industry or, or maybe not. I don't know. I'm curious, Adrian, what you think. I, I feel like part of why I came to this region or felt comfortable coming to this region is because of people like Adrian who were very active on social media. When I was thinking about moving, I was like scouring social media to see who, who was there and seeing somebody who was of color talking about wine in the Finger Lakes made it be like, made it feel a little bit more comfortable to move here. So I'm curious, Adrian, what, what you think and what you've seen over the years. Well, first off, thank you. I appreciate that. I think I think it's changed minimally over the years. You know, I came here in 2003 and it's not it's not necessarily a function of, you know, bad people or anything like that. It's more a function of just the population that is here, you know. So to give you some context, I was at at work at an event at the winery probably about a month ago or so. And it was a pretty big event. There were a lot of people, it was, you know, big advertising, et cetera, music, food, everything. And I, I didn't even have to go in. I was just going in to help. And I was just doing the dirty work, just like stocking stuff, like nothing fun, really. And I overheard two women speaking in Spanish. And they basically said to each other, why are we the only Latinas here? Like mm -hmm. in Spanish. And I was just like, I, I was laughing a little bit in my head. And I like walked around to the front. And I saw one of them look at me and she did like this eyebrow raise. She's like, you're here also. And, <laughs> and they're like, oh my God. And then, but the next thing out of their mouth, which is funny, they were like, <laughs> it's, it sounds bad, but it's, I mean, this is the real translation. They were like, why are we the only non-white people here? And I was like, I don't, 
I don't know what to tell you, but the best I could muster was that that's this that's the, the population who's here, and they weren't even from here. They're from New York City. So I mean, like that goes to show, like I mean, it's if you were talking about the people and the population, that's um, very much what it is. I will say there is progress over the years. There is an assistant winemaker at a winery on Seneca Lake, and we had met very briefly in passing, like four or five years ago. But I had more time to speak to him back in June at a wine conference. And I, like we did the thing where it was unspoken. It was like, you're also probably Mexican. You're also probably Latino. And it, so we just like did a quick little like backstory about like how we got here, et cetera. But it's one of those things that you like, you see somebody who looks like you and immediately you're just like, you want to talk to them because of like, what's your story basically. So it's, you know, it's changed over the years, but I also think it's, it's a matter of who is moving here, mm-hmm. Maya, who is moving in in the region and doing things, you know, um, people moving to Syracuse, not too far away and starting wine shops or people in Rochester who are doing the same or, you know, having a different focus on things in the area. It's, it depends who is also, you know, talking about the region and representing the region, mm. not necessarily about who is like immediately in the region. I'm I gonna, think that's a very important point to make too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the big things for me is in that same conversation with those two women, um, it was funny because they were like, they were like, do you speak Spanish? And then their next question was, you have an American accent. So it was like, I, they, they, were, they were very adamant that like, I did not have like a Spanish accent and they were wondering why. So they wanted like my whole life history, like three. <laughs> and so it's one of those questions that like people that know each other's background, just even like superficially, just on the surface, immediately want to know more. And I was a little bit, it, it was, I, I was proud, don't get me wrong, but I was, I was glad to show them. And it just, I just happened to be there that day that there are people who look like them here and also that work here in wine. So, but I still think that's rare for people to see, but I also think it's important for us here, uh, people in the region that care to, to also include those people, um, myself included, Maya included, and other people too, to be able to say, hey, X person is looking for a job. Let's talk to them, see if it's something they actually want to explore or to, to even just include people in a, a meeting that you're having about whatever it happens to be about. Um, there's so many times that very small things come up that people feel excluded and you're not even thinking about it, right? So to me, those are the small things that we can do to to try to make small steps to even just include more people to show that the region can be a lot more inclusive than it has been for a long time. But at the same time, it's 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 not necessarily that people have been, no, a lot of people have been ex- exclusive, don't get me wrong. But it's not like that the majority of the region has been. It's more so just been a function of population, you know, that's here, um, that has been here a long time. But I don't know, that's my three cents. It's interesting to hear you say that, Adrian, because um, working on Field Blends with Miriam, Miriam Ahmed, she created this program called Field Blends, um, where we're bringing underrepresented people to regions to experience them who work in the industry and are curious to learn more, but might not have the means to, let's say, travel to the Finger Lakes from San Francisco, wherever they're coming from. Um, her first one was in Walla Walla, second one was in Finger Lakes this year, and we did our best to create 
a really diverse program. And it, after day one, everybody was kind of looking around saying, "What? where is the diversity actually? You know, like we found diversity through gender, but we didn't have much diversity when it came to people of color who were participating. In fact, all of our all of our people of color were on the culinary side, you know, through tie by night, creating the most incredible lunch and so on and so forth. And we actually ended up having to have a, a serious conversation with our field blenders who came because in every session that we would go to, the first question would be, what are you doing for, you know, to encourage inclusion and diversity and, and to welcome people in? And then the second question was always about migrant labor and how they're taking care of their people. And I think that we as a region, we're, we're not expecting those questions. And, you know, sort of going back to your point about how sometimes we're doing things that we don't even realize that we're doing. We might even be excluding when we don't even realize that, you know, where are those people of color? And when the answer, you know, in terms of somebody asking you, how are you reaching out and pulling people in? When the answer is just knock on the door, we're all welcoming. Well, that's not, it's not enough, especially when people are knocking on doors and getting shot, right? Like we live in a really intense climate right now where there's an active reach in and pull towards that I think the region needs to be doing to encourage diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, and hopefully that work is becoming more active and not just we support everybody, knock on the door, you're welcome, but rather here's how we're bringing people in and letting them know that they're safe. Yeah, sure. No, most definitely. And, and I, I had, um, talking about the field blends, I had like a similar experience when I went on the Finger Lakes um, Wine Alliance Riesling Camp, not this past year, but the year before, we were on the bus and I was looking around and I was talking, it was me, some, um, some guy from Orlando, who I think he was um, Dominican maybe, or Puerto Rican. I forget. We're still friends. We're good. We're, we're cool. He was my buddy when we had 10 delays and um, we were looking around and we were like chatting, like in Spanish, whatever. And we were looking around and I'm like, okay, so it's me. It's you. It's, a couple other people. I'm like, okay, Chamacoy was there too. She's in Syracuse. Adore her. The first question I asked her, I'm like, why are you here? <laughs> like, I just didn't equate her with like Northeast, you know, upstate New York kind of thing. And we were looking around and I'm like, I'm like, there's really no people of color here. There's just like maybe like four of us out of, or five of us out of like 25, 30 campers. I'm like, yes, there's a lot of women. What's funny is that that's a lot. Yeah. Like you, you say it like, that's like, to me, I'm like, that's a lot of people in my, yeah. And in my mind, I'm like, cause down here, there's like no white people. So yeah. it's the opposite yeah. for me. And I'll, and that's funny. But that's what I was referring to about Syracuse. Like she just moved here a couple of years ago. Yeah. Like she Syracuse university, but she's not from, from here. I'm neither. Yeah. Um, but you know, so that, like, that's my point. Who else is coming to the region and doing things for the region? Um, as well that I was saying Syracuse earlier too that's an example but it's funny you say that because like if we're talking about a group of five people of color in a group of 25 when I see that I'm like holy shit they got people like where'd you get the people but to you you're used to the opposite and you're like mm -hmm. that many people uh, yeah so, so it, it was kind of startling to me but then at the same time we were we were playing devil's advocate too we're like well who has the means to come out here because yeah they paid for the accommodations for those days, but you're still taking off like time from work. You're still paying for your flight. You're still doing this and that. So it's just, and I think this year I saw more people 
um, when I was looking at the stories, I didn't, um, you know, ask for a roster or anything, but like when I was looking at the the Instagram, I saw more and I was just, you know, kind of happy that it was expanding more from what I could tell. So it's funny you say ask, ask for the roster because last, last year when you were here for Riesling Camp, I was a panelist for Single Vineyard Riesling at a winery that I worked at. So it was myself and three or four other wineries, but as you know, one of my hands was in you know, one of my hats there. I had my hands in marketing as well. So I did ask for the roster. I was like, I want to see like who is coming. A, I want to reach out to them, but I also want to see what the makeup is of these people. So from like the winery side, the industry side, I was looking for that already beforehand, just because it was important to me. But I don't know if other people were looking for that or just curious to see who was coming you know what I mean yeah yeah being more mindful of that it's funny when you say look but I'm I think that that's part of the reason why we wanted to to talk to you guys about this because we see the same thing in the art world right working at a contemporary art museum we see the same thing a lot of the interns sometimes if if we weren't paying these interns it would be the rich kids or the board members kids right or or without people like us, we wouldn't be actively trying to diversify that group or, you know, really working towards making sure that the staff at the museum is representative of the community. So that's part of the reason why we also wanted to talk to you. And, and, and a question that I have is, how do you actively do that in a region like this where you're saying, and it's so true, that the population leans a, a certain way? How do you, in, in your positions, how do you encourage people to want to get involved, right? Because I would be terrified. Like I am from Miami. Everyone looks like me. I can walk outside and I can speak Spanish and I never, ever feel like I'm the outsider. So the thought of going to a place where I am no longer that comfortable can be scary. So my question to you is that, like, how do you lend out that hand, right? Put out that hand and kind of encourage people to come and leave their mark as you have in, in a region with, with this kind of population. You know, um, I like this question and it's such a good point. And, and I also feel like sort of what you were talking about with the interns, we find ourselves in these positions where we have to do this active work and, you know, it shouldn't only be our job as a person of color to do this active work. We need allies who are just as active in doing that work. And a lot of people think I'm an ally, but I'm just going to stand right behind you while you do the work. And like, that's not enough. That's so true. It's just not enough. Um, and I, this might be a cop-out answer, but what I have found is that the more active that I am in my own work and, you know, I'm terrible at sharing it on social media, but I need to be better because every time I do, I get a message from a black woman that says, keep doing it for the black girls that love luxury and love wine. And I'm like, shit, that means I got to do this work. Right. Cause at the end of the day, it's for people like me. And hopefully that encourages people to feel comfortable to also love the luxury and the wine that they do. But it's, you know, it's active work, I think, that we need, not just from people that look like us, but the people that are saying they support us and love us and are hiring us, like, we need that active work from them, too. Yeah, I think I think that that's a main point that I want everyone to kind of take with them, is it's not just about you, it's not just about the people of color doing the work, but demanding that of everyone around you as well. Because if you're not surrounded by that same kind of energy, there's really only so much that you can do. And I think that's a really valid point. Mm -hmm. And it's exciting. But it's it's exhausting work. So for it is to look at only us to be the ones to do the work is, but we're all everybody else is protecting their mental bandwidth and their time, right? Like, well, wait a minute, what about mine? <laughs> you know, exactly. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, it was exhausting. So what I talked earlier about, you know, 
the, the job that I had that was specifically for black and Latino students and alumni, that was, you know, and still, you know, prime time Trump and 2020 and social justice. And I just, you know, helped put together a board of only people of color. And so it is, it can be draining, you know, just mentally to always have to feel like in that case, it was my job, um, but, you know, feel like, you know, that the weight of everything is, is on you. But I just want to jump back real quick, something, what you said a minute ago about being able to go out the door and feel comfortable speaking Spanish. That's rare. I mean, in like, you're, you're in Miami, um, where I went to high school and my parents grew up in El Paso, Texas. The majority of the population is Hispanic. Um, like, around almost probably 85%, it's well over 80%. It's the most in the US, um, even more than Miami, more than East LA, more than um, you know parts of Chicago, et cetera. So the same thing there, everybody you know, either speaks Spanish or understands some Spanish, even the white people speak more Spanish than, you know, it's, it's true. Um, so it also depends on the context where you're talking about where you are at or where you're coming from to have that. So I, I would not feel comfortable going out my door. I mean, maybe like immediately just right here, but like somewhere in the area and speaking Spanish, because I know for a fact, a few houses down, there are Confederate flags, quite literally, or, you know, less than a quarter mile on the main road, there are still Confederate flags. And to me, that means something different than it would to them. Mm -hmm. So no, I wouldn't. I think it means the same to all of us. The excuse (laughs) is just a little different, okay? I want to you would think, um, you would think but I and sorry to cut you off on your your question but I love this Adrian because somebody asked me during field blends you know why don't you feel comfortable enough to actually move to the Finger Lakes and I had been looking at property and the neighbor was flying a Confederate flag and when I said that out loud to this person they said well maybe he doesn't know what that means so why are you creating space for this person that doesn't deserve the space mm-hmm. yeah. yes yeah. Exactly. I don't know I've hit a point where like I can't I can't fathom that excuse. Like, I don't think that my answer to that comment would be polite. I, I've reached that point now. It's just, you can't expect people of color to know everything and be perfect all the time or more than perfect to get the same amount or half the respect that a white person gets. And they're the ones that we give them this grace of like, oh, well, maybe they don't know. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. Yeah. I guess, yeah. yeah. But so when, like, when we're talking <laughs> yeah. about like Spanish, we talk about like even the power of language. Like I was talking about those women earlier who were saying like, you have an American accent. Um, all of us here have a quote unquote American accent. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. if I happen to have a Spanish accent or there was a difference in how I spoke English, it would be noticed right away. It would be apparent right away. I would have different people commenting right away. I would have different access to jobs just because of how, you know, I was speaking English. Um, and I feel that here, even in different places that I go, I can tell people are starting a conversation, trying to tease out how good my English is. Like as an example, long, long time ago, many years, actually wasn't that long, it was like four years ago. As an example, there was something going on in the neighborhood that I live in at night, I was told. And the police had knocked on my door. And so it was late at night. It was like, midnight i was just like watching espn or something i don't know and i could tell that he was trying to tease out my 
English. That that's my 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 opinion because it's happened many times before. And he was like, "So excuse me, sir." Like, and he was like, "And is the homeowner here?" I was like, "I own the this is my house. I own the home." <laughs> but I could tell like how he was phrasing things, like trying to understand if I a spoke English, how good it was. Um, but yeah, I get that all the time. Even just like cashing out at the grocery store, like you you can still tell what people are trying to tease out. And that's when like the power of language is apparent. So tangent, back to the question, sorry. So we were talking about inclusion, including people. So one of the last things in my last job at another winery, I was in charge of hiring. Um, and I tried to do my best to interview anybody and everybody um, and also be cognizant of any difference and also be able to show translatable skills to jobs. People are like, oh, I haven't worked in wine, but like, you know, I've worked at a coffee shop. I'm like, that that's huge. You might not think it is, but that is huge in and of itself. Oh, we're like, oh, well, I've worked in a restaurant before. Like that, you know, for the wine world, like that, that's huge. A lot of times when we're talking about including people, it's helping them understand um, skills that would be relevant too when they're trying to get into something. Because you can't just be like straight out of high school being like, I'm a professional in wine. Like, no, you gotta, I mean, you gotta figure out what the translatable skills are if you're gonna jump into any job. And I think for me, the last thing to that question is A, trying to be a representative to, you know, not just the winery that I work at, but the wine world in general to show that A, I'm not white, B, I know what the hell I'm talking about, but then to show people gently without having to say all of that that there are people who might not look like them who are professionals in wine in the area too. So just to give a quick example about that, just earlier this week, I was, I was pouring at a fundraiser. It was a golf tournament. I, I was I was the only person pouring wine there. There was another person pouring beer and pouring spirits. But in the entire club, the entire tournament, everybody else was white, at least that I saw. Everybody else. And everyone came up to me and they're drinking wine and People, you know, are always hesitant to, you know, just like come up to anything for the first time. They want like, you know, a little rundown, the show, et cetera. And so it's it's small things like that to be able to show people that I might not look like you or I might not be what you expected. Maybe I am. It'd be great if I am. But I know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, and I happen to work in wine here. So to me, it's just small things like that to show that I'm here. And from the winery side of things, industry side, um, you know, it's 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 also gently educating staff or colleagues, et cetera, to show and, and be the example of how we talk to anybody the same, regardless of what they look like coming in the door. We got to start at the same level for everybody and not assume. Yeah. Um, and I try to do that, but. I mean, I'm, I'm curious, actually, Alexa, what what your thoughts are on this. But like these conversations are really helpful for me because. I think that I take this a little bit for granted, right? Like I experience the majority of the bullshit from being a woman, right? Mm -hmm. But not really from being Latina because here in Miami, you know, some of the richest people here are Hispanic, right? It's like money here. Yeah, money here talks. And a lot of that money is, you know, Latin American money. And so it's like, we're in this bubble where that isn't really always the case. And as soon as I leave, as soon as I leave Miami, I'm like, oh my God what the fuck is this? You know? And it just becomes this nightmare where I'm like, oh, okay, that's right. I was in a bubble and I have to like 
have this like day of like growing pains because it's, I take this for granted. All of that is to say that I forget that that is something that I don't have to deal with every single day, except for when I leave Miami, which is just a really fascinating concept and just goes to show that, you know, everyone's experience obviously is extremely different, but the Hispanic story or the black story or the woman's story is always still so personal. And the personal is political, no matter which way you slice the pie and where that person is and what that experience is. So I just also want to link it back to some of the first comments that y'all made, which was Maya, when you were saying, I shut down my Instagram because of what was happening with George Floyd. Like people don't realize just how much these things take a toll on us personally emotionally, mentally, and all of us have to deal with these things at different times. But it's important that we talk about it because sometimes I've been gaslit into thinking like, well, Maritza, you're crazy. Like, why are you so mad? You know, that's such a waste of your energy. And I'm like, that's a very privileged position and it affects our work. Right. So I just wanted to highlight that because I think it's, Mm -hmm. it kind of just loops back to the initial points that were made. And and it just proves that it it really is the personal really is political. You're definitely in a bubble. I love you, but you're definitely in a bubble. (laughs) A hundred percent. I love my bubble. Come visit our bubble. You would love our bubble. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Both wine and otherwise, but um, no, I, it's, it's funny you say that because a large part of anyone's perspective is where they come from and where they are at the current time. Like I was saying earlier in El Paso, Texas, the same thing when 85% of the people are Hispanic or Latino, the exact same thing. But if you grew up in Boston and I happened to live in Boston when I was very young too. I did grow up in Boston. What's that? <laughs> I did grow up in Boston. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, like I get, I get that side too. <laughs> um, and I still have family there for, you know, I was there every year for many years. Like I, I, I get, the different bubbles because I've experienced the different bubbles too. Um, so it's, it, it is very much a function of where you're at and, you know, the bubble that you're in. So it's, yeah. I mean, it's funny, like, as you were saying that I was thinking about, you know, growing up in Boston, I, I grew up in that bubble. I grew up in the suburbs of Boston too. So, and I, and I grew up and went to a high school where I was one of six black people that lived in town and went to the local school. All the other students were coming in from the city of Boston and just the luxury of being able to go to a city and hear different languages. I mean, I moved to New York city for seven years after college. I mean, it's, it's truly a luxury. And then when I moved to upstate New York, everybody was like, wow, you came from Boston. It's so racist there. And I want to be like, have you looked around to where (laughs) where we are here? Are you crazy? (laughs) You know, like we all think our shit don't stink. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're like, did you see the Confederate flag down the road? (laughs) (laughs) And the Trump, the Trump memorabilia all over his lawn. What? Are you out of your mind? (laughs) Oh my gosh. No, that's, yeah, it's truly all about perspective here, I guess, and all that. Looking, looking forward at, you know, the future of wine, the future of Finger Lakes, you two, I think are really fortunate to be working for organizations and wineries that are very much champions of diversity, you know, and inclusion. Um, Adrian, we met with Julia and Hosmer and had this great conversation with her and really spoke a lot about um, women inclusion in the wine industry. Maya, I know you you teach a lot of um, different wine classes and you're the beverage education manager in New York Kitchen and you, you really foster an inclusive space. Can you both tell me a little bit about that? And then just kind of like your hopes for the future too. 
No, you go ahead. I'm good. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's we still have a lot of work to do. I'm just going to be super honest. Um, but we've made great progress in the time that I've been here at New York Kitchen, which is exciting. And I think something that is important for organizations to keep in mind is that it's really hard to do this work if if you don't, as I just said before, you know, it, the, the work is exhausting, but it's also hard to do this work if you don't have somebody sitting at the table that looks like the people you're trying to bring forward. Because um, you you might misstep and it could be by accident, but if you have somebody sitting at that table that's going to tell you it's a misstep, then it'll save you the time and the energy and perhaps get you on the right track sooner. Um, and I think a lot of people make that one misstep and then it kind of blows up for them and then they stop doing the work because now they're scared. Um, you know, we've had, we had an issue um, in a beverage class where one of our instructors was, was saying things that were just not quite right and, and not hitting right with people. And we had a couple people walk out the classroom and it was really terrible. And, and so I found myself even having to talk about sensitivity and how to communicate um, in the classroom. Um, you know, it's, I think there, it's just really layered perhaps more than we all think it is. I've worked really hard to change our, um, instruct our roster of instructors to bring in new faces, younger faces, not all older white male faces to come and talk about wine. And that's been a lot of fun. Um, we have people who are focusing on different regions, um, different styles of wine that are kind of helping people understand how they can have fun with wine and maybe even breaking down some of their their fears about even going into a, a liquor store and trying to ask for a recommendation to buy wine. Um, and I think that the more that we can give people the tools to do that and also make sure they feel comfortable in this learning environment, um, the more that we can kind of reach people and stretch that out. But you know, like I said, we we still have work to do. And occasionally we'll talk about not having enough instructors for one thing or instructors of color to do something. And, you know, I guess we can't do it. And my response is, or we can find them. We can find the instructors and do it. So I think um, I think the goal is to not give up, basically. A long answer is saying, don't give up. Well, I think one of the things for me is that, you know, I um, I want to feel comfortable no matter where I am. Um, and to be able to just be me and say what's important to me and still feel comfortable. Um, and from the work side of things, one of the things that I appreciate from an employer is what mine right now has done in saying, essentially, we trust you. You you do you. You have like full control. If you need help, let us know. Or let me know. But we trust you. It's not one of those things that like, I'm going to hold your hand or I'm gonna you know, micromanage you, or I'm gonna do something and then you do it. It's, you do it. And even yesterday, it was like, you figure this out. If you can't, then I'll help you. And that's one of the things to me that, that goes a long way that is sometimes unspoken, just to show that trust from an employer side of things to say, we trust you. But I think the other thing for me is just, you know, over the years um, in real life, in, in writing, on social media, I, I'm not hesitant to call out bullshit when I see it. I'm not hesitant to post about it. Um, and a lot of times I get the haters. Yeah, I'm used to it. But more often than not, I have people who didn't know something was happening or didn't see a certain perspective. And they're like, wow, I'm glad you said that. You know, I like recently I posted something about a review and unfortunate experience at a winery around here. And I had about 20 people DM me and were like, wow. Was that around here? I was like, yes, but like, if if you don't know, it's not going on. Like, if you don't know that's going on, like, how are you supposed to know? 
Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's a very small step for me and I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to have the responsibility of just being me. And I don't think it is, but I think it takes persistence for people to see it, to hear it, to feel it, to, to hear actions of, of, of things that are not okay and hear people talking about them because if we're not talking about them, then what's going to change? It's easier to pretend it's not happening. Well, we respect that. We like people like that. We want to call things out. We're we're troublemakers too. Yeah. Hello, it's me. We can relate. <laughs> Troublemaker. <laughs> oh, any final final thoughts? Final anything you want to share with our listeners before we before we go? I think the last thing for me is that um, if we're talking about change, I think it's big that both of you and you, I know you have been here once before, Alexa, um, <clears throat> made a point to come up here and, you know, experiencing for yourselves, interview people in person, go to different things, see the region firsthand, talk to people. So I wanted to just say thank you for making the time also to come up. I know it's, you know, you be stuck in airports for days sometimes, but <laughs> your side of things too, you know, it's not just, it's not just us, it's who else is talking about the region. So to you guys, thank you for doing that too. Well, thank you. I mean, it's interesting because when I when I got back, a lot of people were asking me the the non-wine people that I'm surrounded by in my life. Yeah. Oh, I had never thought to go there. Like I didn't even know it was a wine region. That's so interesting. Like, why did you choose it? And and it just started a conversation that I think was was fun and interesting and emphasized the fact that, you know, there is so much to explore. But I think you're right. I think it's about people going over there also and 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 experiencing it for themselves. And I'm super glad that we're having this conversation because my perspective of it was a little bit skewed when I went over there because I was hanging out with the two of you, <laughs> you know, and I, I'm looking at it like, wow, this whole area is so progressive. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that in some ways it is like, I'm going to give it the credit that it deserves, but I think it's, it's about going and not just seeing it, but having the conversations with the people who are there and being curious and allowing for yourself to, to be corrected and to learn. I think that that's really the only way that we can move forward towards hopefully a better future, but I appreciate, you know, I, I just, I had, I had a really wonderful time. So, so thank you for, for mentioning that because it inspires us, me and Alexa, for sure to go and try something new and, you know, shed a light on other communities that are doing something similar. You know, it's funny you say that because, um, your experience is essentially through Alexa, which is essentially through myself and Maya. Yeah. And so we were talking yeah, about basically our network, our experience is our network, right? And so if we wouldn't all have known each other, you wouldn't have had this experience basically, right? Yeah. But let me tell you, the irony is that when we were at that garden party, I looked at Alexa and I was like, are we the only two Hispanic women here? <laughs> I, I made the same comment that those women made. So in like 30 years, nothing will change is what you're saying, basically. I looked at Alex and she was like, no, we can't be. She's like, are we really the only? And I was like, I think we are. She's like, why are people looking at us? And I was like, well, it might be that, but it's probably also because we're really cutely dressed today. We're like stellar cuteness. I was like, I was like, I know I look great, but like, why is everyone look, looking at me? Like, I was like, to be, is it because people don't know who I am? I was like, what's happening? Are we the only like Latinas here? And we're just like, 
stealing all the sunshine. She was like, my God, Marissa. Honestly, I'm glad that you did so that maybe other people heard it and they'll think about it. <laughs> and then that'll go this even further. Wait, 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 were you saying this in English or Spanish? That makes it even better. I'm pretty sure I talked shit in Spanish though at one point. Don't worry. I would never disappoint you like that. When I talk shit, it's in Spanish for sure. Always. I want to go back to what you said, though, about allowing ourselves to be corrected and to learn, because, yes, that's important for us as consumers. But what I've also learned really in the last year, especially in working with field blends, is that this region is learning just as much from us as we are learning from them. And wine is such a weird thing. And in many ways, we probably feel like we're beholden to these people who are pouring the delicious juice in our glass. Right. And teach me the ways. And how is this made? That's amazing. But at the end of the day, also, we bring a lot of value to helping them push the progression of the region. And ideally, the region is also allowing itself to be corrected and to learn so that we can just get better. And then maybe at next year's garden party, there will be four um, <laughs> people <laughs> <Yes. of color. laughs> saying the same thing. And then the next year, there'll be eight, you know, but my point is just, we all need to, to sit in that world of being corrected and learning, not just the consumers, but us as a region too. And so thank you for that. And for having this conversation, because hopefully people will listen and learn and, and push things forward. Most definitely. Thank, thank you guys so, so, so much for joining us. We so appreciate it and love chatting with you. We could sit here all day, honestly. <laughs> But alas, thank you so much. We we so appreciate you both. Yeah, thank you for joining us. It means a lot. Thank you all for joining in and listening to us. If you like this podcast, make sure you subscribe. You give us all the stars, all the likes. If you're on Instagram, you can follow us at Pouring Over Pages Podcast. Go to our Etsy shop, get our merch. It's super cute. And we have sweaters now, so you could uh, get them all fuzzy for fall. Um, especially if you're in the Finger Lakes, because it'll still be 80, 90 degrees down here in the fall. Um, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter, spread the word. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.